Genesis chapter 12, we're going to be seeing the call of Abram, who we know as Abraham. A man who God had seen and wanted to, to not just do his will, but to actually have a close relationship with. And it says in the Bible that God referred to Abraham as his friend. And I have to say, what a privilege. What a privilege for a man who God pulled out of an ungodly nation and to have a plan for him to be the father of not just the nation of Canaan, which becomes Israel, but the father of actually many nations. And we will see the blessings of faith and obedience as, as we'll see the downfalls of going where we shouldn't have gone as well. And I, I used to see bumper stickers on cars that would say, God is my co-pilot. And I would think to myself that if that's the case, then you're the only one in the cockpit then, because God is a co-pilot to nobody. Eventually, though, I did see another sticker that said, is God your co-pilot? Well, then change seats. <laughs> and I seen that, and I said, that's more like it. See, I've talked with pilots, whether it be commercial or Air Force, and they'll tell you that the pilot calls the shots. The co-pilot assists, okay? The co-pilot's position is important, but they always know who's in charge. And I can speak from my own experience and from that of witnessing others as well, that when I've captained my own uh, plane uh, myself, I've ended up in a mess that God had to come in and save me from. And if, if we possess a gift and don't allow God to work in, in us and to guide us, we can either become useless or even worse. We can spiral out of control. And when I look at Abraham and I see what he did by following God, his will to leave his past behind and everything he knew and everyone he knew, everything and everyone he ever knew there, you know, but as a result of his obedience, he's seen the blessings way beyond imagination. And when he did the opposite of what God said, he experienced the pains of it. Now, if we're called for something in life, there's at least three important things that we should know. We should first and foremost, number one, know your gifts. Second, know that you've been called. And third, and most importantly, know that you've been anointed for the task. And, and like Abraham, God desires the same thing from us, you know, to leave behind uh, the things that we've that have become uh, that we become used to because those things, whatever they may be, might be causing more harm than good. See, if He calls us for something, it's because He sees the special use that He has given to the special person. And and does He love us the way we are? Yes, He does. But He loves us too much to leave us that way. You know, so again, I'm going to repeat myself with the three knowings, the three knowledge, okay? Knowing that you've been, your gifts, you want to first and foremost know the gifts that God has been given to you. If I'm not gifted in, in mechanics, I'm not going to try to fix somebody's car. So again, know your gifts. Number two, know that you've been called because I've witnessed it. That if somebody tries to, to do something they're not called to do, they will fail. And most importantly, know that you've been anointed for the task. And, and again, people tend to put themselves in positions that they have not been anointed for. And, and, and unfortunately, the end result is never liked. Uh, many people have put themselves on a mosaic seat of leadership when they should not have been doing what they were doing. Because they weren't called, they weren't anointed. 
Now maybe they thought in their minds that they knew that they, they wanted to be or should have been the leader. But the end result always shows. Now there's only two kinds of leaders in the world. There's good ones and bad ones. And we can see the good ones, that those were the ones who were called and anointed and knew the gifts. So again, I think for as we look at Abraham and the examples, we could also look at ourselves and say, well, he, our Lord works in the same way. He calls us, he gives us our gifts, and then he anoints us for whatever it is. We just have to know what that is, and we have to know what we've been called for. Just as Abraham had to have been known what he was called for. So I call this message, Who God Appoints, God Anoints. Alright, and I also had a, a rhyme that went with it as well, something I've learned as well that goes with it, because it's true, Who God Appoints, God Anoints. But when man on his own deploys, man destroys. And I, I will say again that that is how true is that? How true is that? Because it's biblical proof, and it's also probably personal proof, uh, not just from my own, but from your experiences as well. So we must always remember to follow, uh, uh, follow the instruction and the task that God has given us. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12 for our message of God, who God appoints, God anoints, and I'm going to start us off in uh, chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now in the previous chapter... Uh, Abram was in Haran. Uh, he was there with his father. As they were making their way to Canaan, they stopped and they settled halfway. Now, they settled halfway until Abram's father had passed away. So as he had passed, God spoke to Abram and, and gave him some very good news. The news was Abram was chosen to be an influential giant in the faith. In the faith of God and influential around other nations as well. He was told that he would found a great nation and that other nations would be blessed through Abram's descendants. Now as God made the promise to Abram, there was, um, there was a cost. And that cost was leaving his home and, and family. And why Abram was blessed was simple. It was obedience and trusting in God. And many can attest to what Abram did, and, and there's others out there that can't. But when we look at what he did, he first left his country, his family, friends, those within his cultural realm, uh, his financial stability and security. And previously I mentioned that in his region where he left, it was infested um, with idol worship. You know, he would not have been in a good place if he had stayed there. Now, little did he realize that through his family line that the Messiah, the Savior of the world, would come from him. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, uh, we had the genealogy of Jesus that was given. And the first one on the list of his family tree was none other, none other than Abraham. Okay, so when we look at these genealogies, and we've already read through a couple of them from Genesis here in the earlier chapters, we had, of course, Adam, the first man on earth, so there was the genealogy of Adam. And then years later, when God decided to flood the earth because it had gotten so bad and out of control, 
Noah and his family were the last ones standing. So we have the genealogy of Noah, and then we have the genealogy of his three sons, Ham, Japheth, and Shem. Now Shem is, is, was the, the important one that we were looking at, because Shem was of the Semitic line which Abram had come from, and also through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So God chose Abraham because God knows you know, the inner heart, the thoughts, and the faith of all people. He was looking for someone that, that God could work through so that they could work through others, and God had found that man. Now God uses us as well when we do what he has called us to do, like Abraham, okay? He was, a, he was a representation of grace that God puts into a person's life. Because without grace and without blessing, Abram would not be doing what he was doing. And the same standard goes for all of us. Abram got to be a witness of the ways of God. God called his people to be light. Uh, light on the earth. And there was, if there was an example of being a doer of God's word and command to keep it, then there's the plumb line to God as ambassadors of the word and of faith. Now, out of the covenant's witness, there are some of the most uh, amazing ever seen, right? And, and, and that he would be a great nation, and his name blessed and, and great amongst the many. And those who curse you, I will curse them, says the Lord. So his covenant was really quite an amazing one. To hear God say that whoever curses you, Abraham, I'm going to curse. Talk about having a talk about having a friend by your side there, and by receiving God, these are the things that come only through Him. These blessings allowed Him to go to a nation that God had cursed. Okay, and this is the roots from the uh, the descendants of Ham, from his son Canaan. Ham, Ham's son Canaan was a cursed nation. So Abram was called to a new start and a new nation that would be blessed by God. And we, we too are called to be a part of that continual work. He calls us not to be isolated. He calls us to be insulated. Insulated in his word and insulated in prayer. And by his spirit, which empowers all of us to do, to do his will. Okay, that nation of Canaan, as I mentioned before, is going to be called Israel. But that's later on in Genesis. We're going to get there. And that name Israel means governed by God. So there is power in the name. When God takes something that, that was cursed, well, when God, when God works with it, he can turn it all around. Now let's take a look at verse 4 through 9. And it says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan, and Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were there in the land. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said... To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. 
So Abraham was from a from a financial standpoint, he was pretty well to do here, as it said that he brought people that he had acquired. Now, people who worked for him, servants, okay? In in the next couple chapters, we're going to see that Abraham had 318 men who were servants. So that was a sign of wealth in those days, okay? A lot of people with well-to-do businesses don't even have that many people in their payroll. But the true blessings were not in the prestige of servants and wealth. It was in the inheritance of the land and the nation with the people that God would bless, now, the name and region of Canaan remained there for a while, and, and as I mentioned before, it wasn't changed to Israel till a little bit later. But Abraham probably didn't realize just how big of an influence that God had made him in the land that was given to him. That there would be a large impact on world history with just his name. Now, Abraham being from where he was in Ur, uh, the area of Iraq, he didn't have knowledge of God until the call. See, the relation with God came when he moved into the direction where God had called. And verse 7 said, The Lord appeared to Abram. Now, we're not sure in what form, as God reveals himself in many forms in the Bible, but uh, when he appears to someone, it's referred to as a theophany. Uh, that's a theological term for God appearing to somebody. It's called a theophany. And by that, the walk with God came after that, especially after that, because of the obedience. He didn't reveal himself to Abram while, while he was in Haran. He did it when he came to where God told him to show up. So afterwards, he built an, he built an altar in honor and in worship of God. And the altars that were used were a lot of times for sacrifice, for atonement, especially in other countries as well. Um, but with God's people, it was for many different things on top of that. We can see that Abram uh, built it as a symbolized communion with God. You know, many built from wood and metal, and, and some of them were on stones that were left in place as a reminder of God's promises and protection. And that was his form of his relationship with God first, okay, seen on the land given to him with the altar built. Now, eight years later, Abraham does have a son by the name of Isaac, who will build one as well years later. Isaac will be uh, building an altar. But what I like is the statement of faith. You know, the love and the appreciation as the altars were for prayer and worship and reminders of God's blessings. Now, we see through Abraham, we see his example, that worship of God in truth is, is what God wants. You know, regular worship comes in many forms. As God, wa God was pleased with the altar. Now, he is just as pleased with song and praise, prayer, giving thanks as well. You know, I was teaching some children one time, and as the message had come to an end... There was a six-year-old girl that said that she'd wrote a song and asked to sing it after the message. So as she sang it and, and it ended, I reminded her that the Lord was so pleased to hear her singing. I reminded her that in heaven the Bible says that angels are up there singing all the time. But see, God, he's big enough to hear every word that she sang. Even as the angels were singing up there at the same time, God has the ability, and God can hear every little word that little six-year-old girl was saying. And I, I have to say, it was the cutest thing ever. It was beautiful to hear her sing a song that she wrote while listening to a message. And, and we can't ever outgive God. You know, Abraham obviously realized it. 
you know, he was just another man that God seen something special. And that alone is worth praise to him, you know, to be thought of in that way, uh, to be thought of in any way of that sort. I mean, us people, us guys, we all, we want to be recognized by people. We want to be recognized by others. But I have to remind us that, you know, people forget really quick. When we do things for others, or perhaps maybe we, we get involved in philanthropy, Maybe they'll put our name on a school or a building or something of that sort. Well, we'll see that basically that within time, people will tend to ignore that. People will ignore it because things on earth here don't last. But the things in heaven do, and the memory in the heart of God always remembers. See, he doesn't forget anything that's done for him. And that's why, again, the, the stressing and the importance of, of what we do for the Lord is the only, thing will, the only thing that will matter in the end. And, and I think of Abraham, you know, he, the, the cool thing about Abraham is that his legacy on earth here was absolutely remembered. And that's by the grace of God. But more importantly, he brought that legacy with him into, into heaven. And, and, and how important for us to remember that as well. That we too have a legacy as well that we're going to leave behind, but more importantly, that's going to be brought up into the presence of God in what he doesn't forget. But, in the continuance, I also want to bring up too that Abraham also, again, was human. And we're going to see right now, especially right now, we're going to see that, you know, I mentioned in the beginning, we're going to see that when we make our own choices, we see where we can tend to get ourselves in trouble. Now, God's hand was always on Abraham, but perfection is in no man. Let's take a look at verse 10 to 13. It says, Now, there was a famine in the land, and Abram had went down to Egypt to dwell there. Now, for the famine was severe in the land, and it came to pass, when he was close to entering Egypt, that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. Now, we come to an interesting crossroads of chapter 12. Abram shows to the, to the land that God told him to come, and because of the famine in Canaan, he goes to Egypt for the resources. Now, from time to time, we have seen uh, where Egypt was flourishing in the Bible. Um, it will come later on in Genesis during the story of Joseph as well. But during these ancient times, Egypt was a representation of the world. Very prosperous financially, uh, highly educated, and they were also very prejudiced against other nations. They looked down on other places. And Abram knew the ways and the customs there, obviously, because he took a chance of going there for the sake of survival. See, we didn't see God tell him to go there at all. Abram made known that Sarai was a beautiful woman. Okay, something comparable to supermodel status. 
Now, granted, she was around, uh, granted, she was around 65 years old at this time, but you see, she lived to be 127 years old. So she would have looked as if she was in her middle age prime, okay? It was common that if a pharaoh seen a woman that he wanted, uh, and, and she was married, they would kill the husband and take the wife as his own. And now Sarai was Abram's uh, half-sister, so Abram was thinking that it, that it was partially true that, that she was a sister, because Sarai was actually ha related to him as a half-sister as well. And we're going to see that in other scripture. But Abram, after this, would see the demise of his plan later on. See, an Egyptian slave woman to him, and Sarai was part of the result, which we're going to see a little bit later. I don't want to give any spoilers. But for those of you who know the story, you know exactly who I'm talking about. But unfortunately, we will see what famines can do to people. See, it causes the best of people to do questionable things. And, and as we look at the things that Abram did, we're looking at the things that most people would do in desperation. He left to a land of ungodly practice and strange deity worship. Okay, The, the Egyptians had, oh gosh, so many different gods as well. I think they worshipped... Somewhere between two to three thousand different deities, and just like where he came from, from an Ur, uh, second he re he realized that his wife would be taken as pharaohs, and he, and told her that it would happen. So just go along with it. And reading this as a husband is baffling to me. You know, now he did it for survival, yes, but from another standpoint or lesson learned from God, we will see later results of these actions. Sometimes things in life throws us off course from our walk with God. And when desperation comes into the picture, Abram was promised blessings upon himself and his uh, dependents, but feared at the time and moment and moved on his own accord. See, it's important to remember that when, when called by God, we're not called to, to go wherever we want. We're not called to do or go wherever we want. You know, to, to do something, uh, you know, to do something on our own. Thanks to the Lord and His grace, mercies, when we're, when we are doing something on our own, He gets us through. Like we will see with Abram. But we're not always free from the consequences, okay? And that's something I've said before. We're, we have freedoms to do whatever we want. We're just not free from the consequences of our actions. And we end up with scars that were not necessary. And if you've walked with the Lord for a period of time and have done that, you, you know exactly what I'm referring to. But he is just too good to us, you know. We deserve the worst, but he still gives us the best. So let's see how God blesses and cleans up this situation now. In, in uh, verses 14 to 20. And it says, So it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful, the princess of Pharaoh also saw her and, com and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go away. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, 
and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. <laughs> Abram got top-notch treatment from Pharaoh until God revealed the truth by plagues. Now, it didn't say what kind of, uh, what kind of plagues, but see, later on, uh, during the time of Moses, during the Exodus, ten plagues hit Egypt. And this is years later, uh, during the time of Moses. But as I mentioned earlier, God's mercy and grace was upon Abram. You know, God still blessed him, even though he didn't do what he should have done. You know, we should never think that we can do things like this and, and have the mindset that if we do something uh, of this sort, that we would get away with it. You know, Abraham doesn't get away with things. It's God living up to his promise, which he never breaks. And that's the scary thing is, again, when people read certain things like this, we, we, we tend to think that when we follow God that we could go ahead and do something outside of his will. And, and he's, yeah, he's going to get us through it and he's going to let us do it, you know, and so on and so forth. That is not the case always. And, and, and again, we forget that he knows the inner hearts and the minds of all people. God will forgive me. God will, you know, God will do, uh, get me through it because I already know I'm going to do it. But I know his heart, so he's going to he's going to allow me to do it. No, um, the, the Bible's very clear that, that that is not the heart of God and the ways of God. But he does get us through it when we do ask for forgiveness in truth. Now, as this chapter ends and we look at the stories of the people we read about, God gave us these not just to read and say what a good story, but God gave us these accounts to show us who He is. And what he did through other people. You know, very often people want to look for things that pertain to their own personal lives. Very common. But it's vital to see all things, especially the things we don't want to pertain to our lives. You know, looking at the, looking at this one would have to wonder, what did Abram think? Or how did he feel getting rebuked by a pagan king for dishonesty? You know, I heard a story about an American pastor or missionary who was bringing Bibles to China one time. And this was a long time ago. And as he was going through their customs, the, the officer asked if he, had, uh, if he had the normal things, you know, asked about foods, weapons, etc., and asked if he was carrying any Bibles, which was not allowed in China. And, and this pastor missionary said, no, I do not have any. Well, he did. Okay, so as he showed up at the home Bible study that he was there to hand out Bibles to, there was the customs officer in the group. He turned out to be a Christian. So he walks up and he questioned the guy bringing in the Bibles. He said, why did you lie uh, to me? I, w I would have let you through. But, you know, he had no idea. He had no idea you were a Christian, he said. Now, I imagine that the, the meeting had to be a little bit awkward. You know, so I, I pray that, you know, through the word of God, that, that we may get to a point where we would not feel awkward because we have done exactly what God has told us to do. You know, we will never be flawless. But by his will and following his word and his ways, may we become blameless at least. But the first important thing is that we can't experience the ways of the Lord and his blessings and his grace and his grace is to be one of one of his and when we want him in our lives he always shows and willingly gladly will have us and and this life on earth it's short eternity will never end 
And the entrance to God's kingdom is quite simple. The, simple, the simplicity is the prayer and the acceptance of the Lord. But the task is, is staying the course. Now, if you want the Lord in your life and want to be of Him, there is a prayer that could be said. And, I'm, and I give that opportunity every time. See, when we look at Abraham, we look at a man who, who well, at one point was unknown. He was just a common man somewhere from the land of Ur in Iraq. We didn't know anything of him, his, his, how he grew up or what he did, you know, or any of that stuff. Was, was he some sort of uh, political figure? Was he anything of that sort that was special? No, we did not see that. But you see, God's seen something special. And that's what is important. He's seen something special, then he called. We are all special to him. It doesn't matter what we do or where we've come from. He created every one of us. And he sees something special in us and has something special planned for every one of us as well. So the question is always, do we want what it is that he has for us? Because he doesn't force us. See, when Abraham was, was in Haran, see, he planted himself there for a while. He was supposed to go to Canaan, but he stayed in Haran for a while following his father's lead. So once his father, his earthly father, passed away, then we see in the green light. God's mercy again brought him to where he needed to be. Abraham saw the famine. He goes to Egypt. God didn't call him to do that. Abraham realized the customs over there and realized that he had a super gorgeous wife and knew what would happen if they admitted that they were married. Abraham wasn't completely honest, but God got him through. But there again, there are scars that did come to him for doing the things that he did. So I tell you the importance again that the first and foremost, the receiving of the Lord is most important through faith. Second will be our actions and staying the course and what we do for Him. And that's going to be the tough part because again, yes, we are unperfect, we are completely imperfect, but so was Abraham. But God was merciful. So as long as we continue to stay the course, to continue to stay in truth, and to have that love and that heart with God, He will keep us. He will keep us in His hands. That's what the Bible says. But again, the question is for you, is do you want to accept that? So if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, I want you to say a prayer with me. And it's a prayer of, an, of acceptance. You are accepting the Lord Jesus in your heart as Lord and Savior, the Son of God who died for all sins. Because the Bible says that no one makes it into the gates unless you have been born again. And that is receiving the Lord in your heart. Not me saying it, it's what he said. All I'm going to do is give you the option of prayer. So if the Spirit has spoken to you, say this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Lord, I confess to you that I am a sinner. Lord, wash me of all my sins, Lord. I thank you, Father, for sending your Son, Lord, to die for me. 
And Lord, I receive you, Lord. I receive you in my heart as Lord and Savior. And Lord, thank you for making me one of your own, Lord. Father, I love you. I praise you. I receive you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So I pray that you've enjoyed the story of Abraham. As it's not over by a long shot. But again, we'll see that, you know, as great as he was, uh, we do have much in common. But again, where we won't have in common with things is when, we, is when we walk close with God as he did. We will see the good graces and we'll see the safety in, in doing so. So if you've said that prayer, I'd love to hear from you. But I'm just so glad you did. Uh, most of all, I want to be able to see you in eternity in heaven. And I pray again for you and your family that you would lead others as well. And that you would stay the course and walk close with God. And may your life here on earth be abundant because we're working on the abundant life in heaven here. So may God keep you and bless you. And I thank you. Love you all. God bless you.